If you are a powerful, impactful, influential leader, it is your job to create clarity even when you cannot see. The only true competitor in the infinite game is yourself. The leader of the team has to go first. So where do ideas come from? Welcome to Nordic Business Forum Audio, the podcast that empowers leaders to change the world. I'm Heli, and in this episode, Morten Hansen, an author and management theorist, talks about the importance of working smart in the 21st century. He also shares a few pieces of advice on how to do less, work better, and achieve more. The discussion is a recording from Nordic Business Forum Stockholm in 2019. Enjoy. Hansen. Professor at uh, Berkeley University of California with a specialism in leadership and innovation. And you've been on, on the main stage talking about the, the future of work. Um, some of our viewers will have caught that, some won't. So just summarize your key message. Yeah, in, the, in terms of how we're going to succeed in this world that is full of uncertainty and change and hardship, really, it's a tough competition out there. And somewhat counterintuitively, one of the key things is to do less mm. and obsess. Meaning be very, very good at prioritizing on the few things that matters and go all in and obsess on those. A lot of people do the opposite. They do more things, but you actually have to do the opposite. It's a principle that we found in our study of 5,000 people. You get those who succeeded versus those who did not. It goes against this idea that I think is perhaps more prominent in the US and the UK than here in the Nordics, but this idea that you need to be busy all the time. People want to feel like they're being productive and they want to be seen to be being productive. So how do you you match these templates that you have with the sort of wider societal perception? We have these myths of what it means to succeed out there, and they're wrong. I mean, one is that you need to work 100 hours a week to succeed, and it's flat out wrong. And the other one is what you're saying, busyness. I mean, I meet people who, they are proud of how busy they are. I mean, even people saying how many freaking flyer miles they have racked up. As if flying is an accomplishment. Mm. Flying is not an accomplishment. So, but we have the wrong measures, really. And I talked about that on the main stage, that you need to change the metrics. The number of meetings, the number of cold calls, the number of customer visits. These are not the right metrics. They're just business metrics. And you need to shift to more, what is it that I do that create the most value? And uh, focus on those things. Clearly, that is something that needs to come from both leaders as well as employees. What can each of those do to to focus on this approach, in your opinion? Yeah, leaders have a huge responsibility. They need to, instead of adding things to the to-do list for their team, they need to take things away from the to-do list. Uh, If your team is doing 10 projects, it doesn't mean that it's a better team if they do more. Maybe call that list down to the five most important and making sure those are done extremely well. That's a leadership job. And again, leaders are sort of going the other way often. But the best leader with the best performance, they tend to be very good at prioritizing. It's easy to say cut your projects in half, though, because that could potentially cut your earnings in half. Yeah, that is where courage comes in. Um, and I gave an example of, of some companies done the opposite. They actually had incredible revenue growth because they focus on the things that matters the most. We sort of get wasted with this marginal stuff, believing incremental revenue is the way to go. But it takes away the, the, the things that can really drive revenue growth. Um, and then for individuals, it's, it's tough. If you have a boss, I call them do more bosses, mm. you know, which is a boss that tends to add to the to-do list. 
And if your boss is a do more boss, you know, they just give you more stuff to do. I mean, you're working flat out on two projects and your boss shows up in your cubicle and says, hey, can, I, can you do the, take on this third thing as well? And it's tough. The best people, they manage up. They say to the boss, you know, if you want me to do three projects, which one should I finish first? Mm. Um, I can't do them all in the same quality. Which one is most important? You're sort of trying to put it back on the boss. Sometimes that works out well, and that's what individuals need to do. And not just say yes. I believe how do you say no? no? How yeah. do you say no? Though? That's how you say no. You don't say, you know, I don't want to do the third project. Sorry, boss. Um, you put the prioritization back on the boss because the job of a manager is to prioritize. I mean, let's face it. Um, so it's always pushing you back and not just accepting. It's sort of being assertive instead of just saying yes. And it's hard. Uh, early on in my career, I thought, well, you, you can't say no. Uh, so, you know, you just have to say yes and just work the weekends. And it's the wrong approach because you won't perform at your best. Mm. I mean, there's been a lot of discussions around how younger members of the workforce, millennials, are more likely to push for flexible time, push for their own yeah, right. passions, yeah. and are perhaps more confident than we were 10 years ago at actually mm -hmm. saying, no, yeah. I, I can't do that. Have you, has your research touched on different generational differences? Yeah, I think there are a couple. Uh, I think one is that that they want uh, more flex time. They're willing to give all the time and the effort, uh, but it has to be uh, on something that is, that, is, that is not bullshit jobs. Mm. You know, that's important. Um, it's not something that is trivial, that is really key, and it is connected to a purpose. I mean, why are we doing this? Why are we shipping this product? Uh, what is it gonna create a value? Or is it just selling more T-shirts? And, and that's not good enough. Okay, let's talk a bit more about leaders then and what they can do and why some leaders really thrive and, and others don't. Um, it is a, an era of disruption now where things are changing very rapidly in business. What do you think the skills are that push certain leaders to survive and be a, a cut above the rest and for others to flounder in this climate? Yeah, I mean, a lot of that lies in innovation uh, and the... Um, and earlier on today in the VIP section, I talked a great deal about how you should innovate. So it's not how innovative you are, it is a process of innovation. And, and because you have to renew yourself. And I was on the stage with um, the innovation head of the Norwegian Postal Service. Mm. And they are very innovative. I mean, imagine that, you know, like a 400 year old organization. I mean, you would have thought that shipping mail should be a dying business but they are having a process of innovation where first a set of experimentations, very important to start with new things and try them out. And the great thing about experimentation is that they are not that expensive. They don't have to cost much if they fail mm. and you can get going with those. So they start experimenting with digital stamps. That's interesting, you know, people don't want physical stamps anymore, they want digital stamps. That turned out to be something people wanted and then you scale it. So it's a process of trying things out, kill that which doesn't work, keep what works and scale it, put money behind it. Um, great leaders today, they have a process like that. And it's not that difficult. It's about behaviors. It's about doing things a little differently. What about thing, when things go really wrong? Times of chaos, yeah. you've written about this in right. one of your books, uh, times yeah. of financial collapse or right. shifting markets. What really makes some companies and leaders stand out and survive those times? The worst thing is paralysis, which is 
we're hoping for a better time. It will turn. Let's hunker down. Which you is positive thinking, but actually yeah, in business, that's, that's not always the right point. That's a great right point. Approach. It is positive. And you rally the troops and you say, hey, let's go out and sell harder, you know, meet the quota, without understanding that usually the reason is that something is fundamentally changing in your industry. Mm. And you are not on top of those things. And it requires a leader to have, you know, when we talk about confront the brutal facts, to sit down saying, these are the reality. Our products are lousy, our customers hate us, and you know, things are just going down the drain. It's not about selling harder, it is about changing. And then leaders at that point in time, I mean, you don't want to uh, panic either, but you really want to start having pretty drastic measures. I mean, one of them is, you know, Steve Jobs coming back to Apple in 97. Apple was two months away from bankruptcy. Mm. And he took charts, he laid off people, and he changed the product line very quickly. And, and you need those kind of drastic measures. Do you have any examples of the other direction of companies and leaders that couldn't pull through and what they might have done wrong? Yeah, there are plenty of those examples. Um, you know, uh, IBM was in the mainframe industry and then the personal computer came along and they thought it was uh, just a little toy that people wanted to play with. They didn't see the disruption coming, so they just said, let's just play more mainframes. It's an historic example. Um, Shirley Packard, you know, came uh, into hard times just because of the same thing, but in the last 10 years, they didn't see the fundamental changes going on. In, in technology, and every company today is sort of affected by digital transformation and technology. Um, if you don't make those changes, you're not just losing 5% of revenue, you're losing your business. Mm. What do you think the main differences are between the US market and the Nordics when it comes to innovation and thinking outside the box? So I think um, we talked a little bit about uh, sort of this uh, too much consensus driven. Uh, in a decision making. Um, I think another one is speed. Uh, uh, in the Nordics, uh, too slow. Mm. Things take too long time. Uh, in the US, I live in a Silicon Valley in San Francisco, things move fast. You don't have two years to kind of do your product development. It's got to be three months, it's got to be a sprint. And, and things are changing quite a bit. So that's the other one. Uh, the other, the third one is you really need uh, to think bigger, right? Not start to say, I can crack the market in Norway. Okay, that's almost not a market. It's four million people. Uh, think about, uh, okay, I start here, but how do I make a move in Europe or in the United States? We have some great exceptions. I mean, Spotify is a wonderful, yep. contrarian example. Unfortunately, there are few who think like that. Mm. Uh, you mentioned, though, that in the US, things are moving more quickly. And here in the Nordics, we are famous for having a, a better work-life balance, longer holidays, parental leave, working less, which was kind of your original point, that we need yeah. to, to work less and, and work smarter. So how can businesses in the Nordics match up to that speed while also trying to hold on to and yeah. preserve those yeah. things? Should they be trying to? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, in Silicon Valley, let's face it, people do a lot of wrong things. And one of them is this idea of working, you know, 90 hours. And we have research on that, you know, beyond sort of 60 hours a week, you're actually performing less well. It goes negative. So this myth that you should be sitting and writing software code at night, it's wrong. You're just making a lot of bugs into the software. So we don't have to work these crazy hours, um, but we have to prioritize. 
In the Silicon Valley, startups are really good at sharply focusing on one thing, one big market, one pain point, solve it with a product. And if we can do that, I think we can achieve both a, a great performance through do less than obsess and work-life balance. And in the last chapter in my book, Great at Work, I show it with data that those who master this principle of do less than obsess, they also report that they have better work-life balance. Mm. How does that pan out in your life and your work? What do you prioritize? Or what are you not so good at prioritizing? Yeah, unfortunately, I said it on the stage. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at saying yes to many things. I could be much better at prioritizing. And it's a constant struggle. Uh, but I am trying, and I'm saying no to, to a number of things. Uh, I'm, I'm getting better. I'm trying to learn from the great examples, the masters in the book that we studied. Um, but I think for all of us, it's a constant struggle. But it's a different way of thinking about life, is to say it is better to do fewer things than more things, and to do them well. And I think it's actually is a, is a route to, to having a fulfilling and happy life, because you're not so stressed out. You know, you are not having all these problems of burnout either. Okay. Do you think there is anything that we can take from this for people working for themselves, self-employed people? Yeah. Is, it, is it harder to say no when you don't have that structure and, and that boss? And what can those people do? Um, it is harder because you have to pay the bills this month. You can't just have the luxury of waiting. Uh, but it's also a trap to say yes to too many things. Because you start saying yes to things that may be outside of your comfort zone. You may not be so good at them. How do you do bad work or you have to spend a lot of time trying to do good work. And so you want to try not to do that. There's a great example in, in the book about a woman called Susan Bishop, who was running her own startup in the headhunting business in New York. And she did exactly the opposite. She started saying yes to too many clients, and it tanked her business. Mm. And she had to have sort of like in the moment of epiphany, saying, I'm going to go back to basics. I'm going to do less than obsess. And then the business turned around again. It's a lesson for all of us. It's hard to do. Yeah. Well, some great insights for us. Uh, so uh, your books, uh, great by choice, great at work. People can get more insights um, from them there and also a lot of information online at your website as well. You can do the quiz, which I did earlier, which showed that I was very bad at saying no to things and yeah. definitely need to think uh, better at smart working. But thanks very much for joining us. Uh, Morten Hansen, professor at the University of Berkeley, University of California. Thanks very much for being one of our oh, first guests here in the you. live studio. Thank you for listening. If you want to hear more insightful interviews, we suggest you listen to our previous episodes. To share any feedback, drop us an email at audio at nbforum.com. Until then, go make a change.